I'm Steph Hansen, faculty at Iowa State University. And I'm Mary Janowski, faculty at the University of Nebraska. When we started our faculty positions, we quickly realized how important mentoring can be to the success of our graduate students and our programs. Using the principles of community, communication, and curiosity, we'll give you actionable tips to become a better graduate student mentor based on what we've learned during our mentoring journey. We've We've made the mistakes, so you don't have to, because mentoring matters. Hello, mentors, and welcome to the Mentoring Matters podcast. So, Steph, anything new going on with your team? Yeah, I wanted to mention one thing based on uh, a couple of meetings I had with graduate students this week, actually following up to our last episode, talking about setting expectations and helping students um, get ready for a successful start to graduate school. And um, actually had a really good kind of follow up with a brand new student and they just kind of expressed appreciation for the structure that we have with the program and laying out some very clear expectations and they felt like they've really already grown a lot as a both a technical writer, which is actually our topic today, um, and even just understanding kind of more basic complex literature than they had necessarily done in their master's programs. That's great to hear. So this week, we spent quite a bit of time in our individual meetings, really plotting out goals for the rest of the semester and thinking about what they were going to get done for the summer. And I really do think it's quite helpful to go through a week by week kind of plan with the students, because a lot of times I I think they just need a little help seeing how much stuff they really do have to work on and trying to plot out what they're going to accomplish uh, can really kind of spur them along uh, to realize that, yeah, I just need to get started on this. And and I have a clear plan for how I'm going to move forward. And it really does help keep them motivated. Yeah, I think that that is so important, um, not only the goal setting, but following up with those goals, right? And so we actually kind of are at the midpoint of our semester now, so it's a good time to be kind of thinking about what the rest of the semester looks like. Okay, so our question of the week is, how do you help your students become strong technical writers? So this is another thing that we're not formally trained on as faculty members. One of the things that I do with my students is I often sit down with them before they start writing on a new section or a new piece and we really talk through the purpose. So what are they trying to accomplish? This is really, really helpful, I think, for lit reviews in particular because a lot of times the first approach that students want to use is really just summary of each individual paper instead of really telling the reader about the current state of knowledge and telling them about where those gaps are and what they're going to try to fill with their research. So one of the things that I feel like I've learned as a writer, so I do some fiction writing in addition to my, you know, kind of faculty technical writing. And in fiction, they say you have to write a million words before they start to be good words. And that's actually something that I talk to the students about now how it just takes time and it really takes intentional practice to learn how to be a good technical writer. So you can't be a good technical writer until you're a good reader of technical papers. That's one of the things we always do in our programs is that when they first get there, it's like, go read, read, and then read some more. And I think that's a really good way to get them started. You know, Steph, we kind of took that a little bit farther this previous summer when we worked with the students to actually start picking apart articles and and how various components were written. So one of the things we did 
was to, you know, gather about five articles that had kind of different styles in their introduction and then have the students read each of those, rank them and highlight the things they thought were really great about each one and the things they didn't like about each one. And then we all got together and discussed it. And I thought that was super useful in helping the students really think about how to be a good writer because they could really see how some things were really, really effective and how other things were very ineffective. I think one of my favorite parts about that exercise, since both of our groups were sort of doing that concurrently over this past summer, was the exercise with the introductions. And I think you had actually gone through and, like you said, identified five or, five or so different introductions from very different papers kind of covering the gamut from the ones that we thought that were pretty good to um, not so great. And it was really interesting to just kind of see how the students dissected those and broke them down. And, you know, was this a compelling justification for why they had done the research? And even thinking about things that, you know, we, we love to talk to our students about, but you often don't see in technical writing. And that is that it's all about the story that you're telling, right? What data are you going to show? How do they fit together? One of the biggest challenges that I perceive in growing a strong technical writer is this challenge to step up to the critical interpretation of the literature. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you handle that challenge with your students? One of the things that I do with the students is I ask them to come in our next meeting really with where they think they're going. So now they've kind of went through the purpose. And then in the next meeting, they kind of just come with, here's where I think the points I want to make and really forcing them just to write it down, not as a part of the paper, but as succinct bullets of here are the key things I need to get across to my reader forces them to be very critical about what points do I need to make? And then they can kind of pull it all together and write it in a nice succinct package. There's a couple of things I wanted to mention on this topic. One was I used to joke that when I would go into my advisor's office, I wish that I had taken a recording device with because we would just talk for hours about the scientific literature, which was awesome. And then I would wander back up to my office on the third floor and I would be like, wait, what was the thing that he said about that, you know, that you know, just that thing that I was struggling to to just get that exact wording. And now it's funny because my students will say the same thing. They're like, you just have a way of putting it things, you know, putting things together. And it's like, well, yeah, of course I do. I've been doing this for a lot longer than you have. That's the expert versus novice paradigm, right? And I can make connections more quickly. And I love talking through uh, new data with students and gaming out where their discussion should be. And, you know, they'll have a new paper that they've seen and I'll have a classical paper that I'm like, oh yeah, you should reference this and and have that in there. And and we should hammer here one of our biggest pet peeves in um, discussions, right, Mary? And that is, thou shall not cite a paper directly from another paper. If you're going to cite somebody's work, you need to go find that work and you need to make sure that it was cited correctly in the paper that you found it in and that the interpretation that you have from those original data are the same as what that other author had. Because oftentimes, and we find this with our own work too, that is not the case. As you mentioned, a lot of times, you know, they walk away and they're like, man, that was really, really helpful. For some of my students, we actually game plan out to have our meetings such that they have time after our meeting to go back and to work on whatever it is had our discussion about. Yeah, I actually have mine write an outline. So regardless of whether it's their first or their last paper in their program, they have to write an outline for their discussion. 
And some of them, you know, will write a really expansive outline that doesn't require much effort to leapfrog it into a final discussion. And some of them just kind of need to get their thoughts down and you can help go through and really quickly in that outline format be like, nope, you're you're totally getting off the rails here. You don't need to be doing this. And other ones would be like, oh, that is such a good insight. That's so cool that you're thinking about it like that. Yeah, I agree. I think outlining is very, very useful. One of the other things that I think has been very useful to help my students uh, become better writers is that we have a shared box folder where we put all the documents that we discuss in our group or even individual meetings. And the couple on writing that I've found that's been very, very useful, especially when I start introducing students to trying to get into scientific writing, would be one that's called Writing a Scientific Paper, written by Cox in 1990. And if you Google it, find the paper. And I modified it, of course, to better fit with what we're doing. But I really did think it was very, very helpful to get the students thinking more critically about how to write. And it provides them some good guidance to get started. The other one is a paper that's called Guidelines for Writing a Literature Review by Helen Rallis. And she's actually from uh, the University of Minnesota. And she has a really great document, again, on how to think through writing a lit review. And I think my students really get a lot out of that. Both of those are shared in there. And I refer my students back to them all the time. I think that's actually one of the things that you do really well with your students, Mary, is giving them kind of some guidance documents to help them get started. Uh, One of the things I wanted to talk about in today's episode was a strategy that we are actually implementing this semester with my graduate group. Kind of decided that spring of 2021, which is when we're recording this podcast, was just going to be the theme of all things writing. So we have Uh, Six different students in the group right now, and basically that looks like anything from brand new second semester master's students to a variety of PhD students across their stages and to an experienced postdoc. And we all have writing to do, myself included. So we have focused our graduate group meetings on bringing in information about how to improve ourselves as technical writers, talking about things like the discussion, talking about peer review, but also just setting accountability and deadlines. So I actually set up specific accountability partners between my um, students this semester. And so they're the students who the pair of them are responsible for emailing or texting each other to be supportive and, you know, making sure that they're meeting their deadlines, which has been really good. I think some of them have really embraced that, which has been really awesome. Before I talk about anything else that we've done kind of with this semester, do you want to talk a little bit about how you do peer review? Because I know that that's an important part of your process as well. Well, I do think that peer review can be very, very helpful for both students involved. We talked about just getting them to read is half the battle in them learning how to write. The peer review process, if I have a student write something and another one's going to review it and provide feedback, number one, that makes the peer reviewer actually have to think critically about writing and to provide that critical feedback to the other student who's going to approve their writing. So both really benefit. So I do like to use peer review and I don't have students actually grouped to where they work with the same person um, consistently, but I do try to have students like paired up based off of what they're really good at. 
And so if I have a student who does a really great job, for instance, at writing an introduction, I may have them peer review somebody else's introduction. Or if I have a student who is really great at the critical discussion, I might ask them to help others with theirs. So I kind of use their strengths, have them help each other uh, before I even get to see it. Yeah, so I should clarify, my accountability partners are not editing each other's work. They're really just there to kind of provide sort of moral support to each other and make sure that they're staying on top of their deadlines. Apparently, the way that my students are doing the peer review right now is they will email something out to the whole group. And then basically, the first person that replies back and says, I got this one, that's the person who's going to provide edits and provide comments back. And then they're just rotating through so that it's not just you know, the burden of editing isn't just following, falling on one or two students. So I think that has gone, has, has gone really well. Yeah, that's actually really great because uh, if a student is really busy, right, they, they don't have the onus on them. Somebody else can take it on, but they kind of take ownership of making sure that uh, they help each other out. That's pretty cool. Right. So I want to talk a little bit more about this writing um, challenge and some other things we're doing this semester. So one of the things that I thought would be really useful would be to kind of, you know, use that competitiveness within the group in a good way. And so we set uh, writing challenge goals for this semester. And so actually, um, our we had a Midwest Animal Science meetings earlier this month. And so the students had to choose a goal for writing that they thought they could complete by Midwest meetings. And so I told them if they all met their writing goal, um, and for some of them it was a section of the lit review, and for others it was a final report, and for others it was a whole manuscript because it just had to go from final report to manuscript stage. I said if they all met their goals, um, I would give some sort of reward. And uh, funnily enough, they actually decided they all wanted um, Hanson Ruminant Nutrition Lab um, coffee mugs. And we have a very talented artist in our ranks currently, and he's actually working on designing a new logo for it. So um, Steph gets to pay for coffee mugs for everybody. So um, I'm fine with supporting their coffee habits if uh, or their, their pop habits for some of them um, if they're meeting their writing goals. So I think that that worked really well. And basically every week they had to basically say, here's the progress I've made towards my writing goal. And then everybody could really see whether or not they were likely going to make it or not. So Steph, you've been doing writing sprints. You want to talk a little bit about that? Oh my God. I love writing sprints. Um, So this is something that I learned about from uh, all of the podcasts on writing that I've been listening to. And so writing sprints is kind of something that's been born from the age of the pandemic and everybody being home during lockdown Every week for two hours, we have everybody on a common Zoom link and we do a quick open and go around and we say, what are we working on today? And then everybody mutes themselves and leaves their video live. And then we basically write. So we write for an hour and 45 minutes and then we come back together and ask for a progress update. How many words did you get done or what did you feel like you got done today? And then as we've moved through those, we've been doing them since January I've also started to integrate questions like, how did you prepare for the writing sprint today? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Or what are you going to do next time? So we're starting to think about some reflection. And two things. One, sometimes you just need butt in seat, hands on keyboard, right? You just need to be forced to sit down and find the time to write. And writing sprints provides that for all of us. And I participate in the writing sprints. I think that's an important piece of the buy-in. Plus, I love having that two-hour block off and feel like, yes, I can just do my own writing here. 
I think the other piece is the preparedness. So the ones who are really successful in writing sprints outlined ahead of time, they did their reading ahead of time. They are there focused. Everybody's supposed to have email off. You know, you're just writing during this time period. And I have been super pleased with it. I feel like every week I've been getting good updates from folks. We're definitely going to keep this. I love it. I think write early, write often is a great mantra for helping students to uh, become good technical writers. And as a mentor, I think, you know, helping set deadlines, but also providing concrete feedback and doing that in a process. So kind of section by section instead of making them write a whole paper and then you coming and providing feedback so that they can gain skills as they go along and kind of build momentum. I really do think that's probably uh, the key to helping them become good technical writers. I agree. And I also love to edit section by section because um, it's almost overwhelming. I mean, who wants to get a 30-page manuscript in the email? I dread editing those manuscripts. And then I put them off, and that doesn't help the student either, right? So we need to be timely with our feedback. So I try to always do things section by section because I can always find 20 minutes to edit a five-page document, but I can't always find five hours to edit a 30-page document. Totally agree. I would much rather just sit down, go through a small section, be able to provide some feedback that hopefully will help them do a little bit better the next time they write. I remember learning that originally from my advisor when he said this really terrifying thing to me, which was basically like, we're going to write it section by section because if I get to the, whole, the end of your whole thesis and I don't like it, you're going to have to go rewrite it. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to make me rewrite my whole thesis. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's another good point that students really can't read your mind. And often, especially for master's students, they have very little skill in technical writing. So when you get first get your hands on, the more feedback you can provide, the more advice, uh, the more direction, the better off they're going to be. Remember to talk to your students when you're providing that feedback, especially uh, when you're providing edits and telling them about the things they need to change. I think it can be really easy uh, to scare them because you bled all over this paper and they feel like, man, I did a really bad job. And helping them understand that this process is normal. Everybody has to edit. In fact, when I write papers and I send them to my co-authors, you know, they do the same thing, right? And and it's not because you're a bad writer. It's just that we can always improve. And so be very encouraging uh, when you are providing those edits and feedback. And I think that really helps uh, keep them motivated. So one of the things that I wanted to kind of wrap up here with asking you this question of what do you think is one of the biggest challenges students have with technical writing? Uh, well, for me, I think the biggest challenge is just getting started. Uh, they will continue to put it off if, um, if they're not really forced to get started and get started early enough in their program. And so getting started early and building momentum is probably the biggest challenge. And I think that's where the advisor can really help because you can help force those students to just get started. So I like to say a quote here, and that is, perfection is the enemy of done. And that I have seen that in several students where I don't know if it's that they just don't like looking at that blank page and they just don't know how to get started or they're so paralyzed that it has to be so perfect by the time they get sent to me 
that I just never see it. And, you know, deadlines will just skate past like they didn't exist. And so um, I talk to the students frequently, like, you know, I don't expect the first draft to be perfect. If it was, I would think, man, you should have sent this to me days ago because <laughs> we missed an opportunity here, right? You've been working on it. You could have been doing other things. So perfection is the enemy of done, I think is a, an important mantra in t teaching students how to be strong technical writers. One other thing I wanted to mention, because I talked about papers as resources, but I also encourage my students to utilize uh, other opportunities and resources that might be available through our institution. And in this case, the Writing Center is one that I have encouraged uh, many of my students to utilize to help them develop you know, their confidence and their skills in their writing. And so I think really encouraging students to take advantage of opportunities like writing retreats, workshops, and of course the writing center in, in my case, I, I really do think it's important to help them see that it is good to reach out and take advantage of these opportunities and to recognize that they can always improve. Yeah, and actually the director of our writing and media center at Iowa State is a part of the um, writing group that I'm a part of with faculty. And so I know that I know that this is true. And he would say one of the things that students sometimes miss is they'll only bring the final draft of something to the writing center. And what those students who work there could really help with is the development and improving the concept and the idea and the arguments and things like that in that paper. So really encourage them to get started using them as a resource early on in the process of writing and not just as a review of the final draft. Totally agree. One of my students has been working with the Writing Center and she started uh, at that very beginning and she has mentioned how useful just having that discussion with somebody else. Again, it's really helping them think through what are their main points, what are they trying to accomplish, and really solidify uh, what the whole point of what they're writing is. So I think what we've heard today, Mary, is that we feel a lot of value in starting this writing process early in your students, being very reiterative in that process, being very intentional with your purpose, um, really thinking about giving them really good, critical, concise feedback and being timely with that feedback. There's a lot of different strategies you can do as an advisor to um, develop these strengths in your students. And we obviously feel very strongly about how important it is to build these strong technical writers. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you. Our show is on YouTube and the link is in the show notes. Use the comment sections to tell us your thoughts on the question of the week so we and others can learn from you. As a reminder, the question this week is, how do you help your students become strong technical writers? Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.